Welcome to Good and Decent, a podcast by Grotto Network. Stories of ordinary people living in extraordinary ways. Episode 3, Change of Heart. We see a man in his mid-twenties cruising on a mountain bike through the back country of southern Michigan. Attached to the back of his bicycle are two yellow five-gallon buckets for storage. On his head, there's a helmet with a light attachment, and on his feet, strapped sandals. Meet Randy Orak. Randy used to work in a media department that shares an office building with Grotto Network. So basically, he's been our friend for a while. We decided to do a video story on him when he told us he no longer owned a car and he'd be biking everywhere from now on. Biking, it's not just about the emissions or or my carbon footprint. I mean, it just, it all ties together so completely. By biking, it costs less for me to to not drive a car. Personal health, I mean, it's, it's, it's a... I look at it as a practical exercise. I've got to get where I'm going anyway, so might as well just bike there. I grew up outside of a small town in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, and we would ride our bikes and just hang out in the woods all day. My parents still talk to me about this. Every day I would, I would uh, go outside and pick up the rocks and look at the bugs underneath and like pick up worms and salamanders, frogs, whatever it was. I just always loved being outside. Is part of who I was. Randy gave us a bunch of pictures and videos from his childhood in the sticks of Pennsylvania. In one video, Randy stands on a cliff face with a rope swing in his hand. One of his friends calls dibs on his Xbox in case this all goes bad. Randy just smiles, checks the rope's tightness one last time, and then soars backwards over the river. He does a backflip, and his friends cheer as he lands. Randy, can I have your explanation? That was cool. After college, Randy moved from his rural Pennsylvania town to a Midwestern Rust Belt city. He had landed an internship at a prominent university's sports media department. I was spending more time indoors, I think, than I had ever spent in my entire life. In extremely like climate-controlled buildings with fluorescent lights, computer and flashing screens in front of me with sports displaying nonstop every day. And so I, I kind of just took, uh, took a jump. 
a year or so into his new job, Randy started taking some free local agriculture classes. Then he started volunteering at a couple of farms on the evenings and weekends, even while working overtime as a production assistant. Pretty soon after that, he handed in his notice. He was trading a camera and the Adobe Creative Suite for a spade and a scythe. Going from video production to farming is a pretty stark comparison. I just sort of trusted that things would work out. It just kind of brought me back in touch with being outdoors and experience and kind of being at the mercy of the world around you. It was just fulfilling to me. It just got me back outside. I've been trying to lean out my life in every sense possible and just live as simply as possible. And so I, I came home and and uh, my parents had uh, bought me a car. I was really like appreciative to have parents that, that could do that for me. Oh, sorry. It was just something I, I didn't want. I, I, I truly didn't want to have a car. And so I turned it down. Currently, my, my mind is that I, I would like to urban farm in the town that I'm from. There's not a, a huge, big market of fancy restaurants that really drive up profit margins, but it's possible. I mean, I, I don't want to count myself out until I try it. From videographer to farmer, a story of authenticity is a grotto story by me, Josh Long. I haven't touched base with Randy in several months. I don't even know if he's still trying to farm, but I do know wherever he is, he's following his passion. That was great. Solid, man. Seriously. Oh my gosh. I, I loved so much of what he said. Just getting back in touch with the kind of earth beneath his feet beneath his pedals so to speak <laughs> quick backstory on, on randy so i worked next to him a couple of cubicles away the fim guys the fighting arch media that he worked for he was always over in those pods i just remember being like so impressed i was just like holy moly like this dude just like bikes everywhere yeah and speaking of getting to know someone behind the scenes this is your first time on the pod welcome hey guys i'm ben <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm, a, I'm associate video producer, so I'm on the video team for Grotto. I have to say a fun fact about Ben. When we're in these Zoom meetings, and whenever Ben talks, I hear this like gurgling in the background or this like bubbling. <laughs> and for the longest time, it remained a mystery. I'm like, what is that sound? Like, I, I didn't know what it was. And I think I asked someone else on the team, I'm like, what is that sound in the background? And they're like, Ben has a fish tank? Is that right? Yeah, it is. It's a huge, like ginormous fish tank. <laughs> I think it keeps the keeps the mystery, you know, alive. There you go. So yeah, so you encountered Randy in this capacity and his story just resonated with you. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What did you think of the story? So I have a brother who's a cyclist, so I just love people who love bikes because it it, it can become an obsession for sure. It's one of those things that like people just get hooked on biking. I love that he had these reasons for why he loved it, but he also was just like, it just feels right. Like it just is in sync with with my body and who I want to be. And, and I think that's cool. I think that's the kind of stuff that 
um, when you see someone really like leaning in like that. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like this guy's bike was a little different than the kind of cyclist type bikes I've seen my brother ride. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Yeah, it's pretty intense, man. Like those giant giant gallons on the back and like the headlamp and everything. Like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. That's definitely on a bike you see every day on the road. (laughs) Tell me about the buckets. He has these giant like um, buckets on the back of the of the bike for like transporting i imagine for transporting goods and like yeah it's like his trunk yeah it's like his trunk yeah like groceries obviously like whatever whatever he needs to transport people no. <laughs> <laughs> someone's sitting in a little bucket um that's amazing so what and he's got the headlamp obviously because he might bike at night well he's a pretty rugged dude man so he's got the jesus sandals so he's he's rocking the jesus sandals that's what i call like the open-toed sandals um but yeah he's into farming and stuff and so he's like I remember um, seeing him around the studio and he used to wear this, like he had this helmet, um, like a bike helmet, but it was just covered in stickers, like the whole mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> One time I saw him wearing this, like, I think it was like a shirt. It was like a shirt or like some, it was, it was some, some apparel that had like pockets everywhere, like literally <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> someone was like, somebody in the office was like, dude, not, like nice pockets, man. He's like, dude, they're so functional. You can use them for all these things. And I just would like to make a note that our producer Josh Long is cracking up right now <laughs> on mute. So it must be just great memories of this guy. Yeah. Well, I'm just, like I said earlier, I'm just really impressed with, um, with Randy and, you know, speaking of like, you know, change that's so evident in Randy's life, you know, his, his willingness to change his life. So two things, right? One, his transportation, he's, he's changing his way of, of getting around everywhere, mm-hmm. um, which is insane. And then also he's changing his entire career path. You know, here's a guy who is, you know, working for for a great renowned um, athletic department, you know, video production department, um, who's, you know, working his way up. He was like one of the like the, their go to videographers like he was he's insane. He actually did a story for us before for Grotto um, on a kombucha guy. And it was an awesome story. I really enjoyed that one. So the fermentation process in kombucha is the combination of bacteria and yeast that basically ferments tea that we put in. Well, yeah, he's a really talented dude. So yeah, he's, he changed his transportation. He's changing his his whole career path. He's clearly choosing the less convenient route in mm-hmm. both of those forms, right? Like biking's not convenient. F- urban farming, like not a convenient career path. So yeah, I'm just impressed with that, you know? What's interesting is that, you know, you, you might think, oh, this guy's just really interested in uh, kind of like being eco-friendly. And, and he's, he mentions that. He's like, yeah. But it just sounds like it's also just kind of in his in his blood. I don't know. Like mm, he just wants yeah. to be he's he talked about sitting in front of screens, which so many of us can relate to right now, and how he just wanted to be like outside, back in touch with the world. Yeah. And I was really moved by his parents trying to give him this gift of this car. And I could hear like he kind of got choked up and mm. but to be true to himself, I don't know. It's like a story both of changing direction and changing your life and then being true to that mm-hmm. that's really admirable yeah yeah it really is just like sticking to his gun sticking to his roots sticking to who he is did his eco-friendliness like rub off on you are you are you reconsidering your- <laughs> well you know it's funny you say that i have had farming aspirations for a long time now but farming is hard work my few experiences i lived on a Catholic farm in West Virginia for a week in college. Mm. And then I lived 
with um, some nuns who run an organic farm in Connecticut for a, oh. a, for 10 days in grad school. At the end of the night, my body was completely sore. I was exhausted. I had no energy to do anything. I'm like, this is no joke. Every time I try to enter farming experiences, I'm always like, and now I need to return to my normal life where I'm very <laughs> comfortable and I get to sit in a chair most of the day. So I just – I'm deeply moved. I'm also challenged. I'm also like that is something that – I don't know if I could do that. You know, I don't know if I could take that jump as he said. Seeing a guy riding his bike everywhere, uh, it's just like, wow, like – I think I mean it's possible that you could you could do that and it does it does challenge you. So I, I did I bought a bike that I don't know if I've used. <laughs> and I was talking to Javi, our senior producer. He also was like thinking about getting into biking more. I'm I'm sure I'm sure inspired by Randy's witness. Um, both of us we had talked about like maybe we should like bike to work like that would be awesome. Like why not right? Save mm-hmm. money and mm-hmm. help the earth a bit. That one didn't didn't stick, but um, huh. Rand, Randy did mention off offset. This wasn't this wasn't on film, but he talks about how wherever he goes, he has um, like reusable bamboo cutlery okay. that he uses. So that way, if he's ever at a restaurant or whatever, and they have like plastic cutlery or whatever, he can re- like reuse those and not have to contribute to waste. And I remember him saying that. And at first, I was like, "That's kind of interesting. Like, that seems a little goofy, like carrying around this stuff in your pocket." But I was like, "That's actually awesome." So uh, my wife uh, now she. Um, gave me, she had this like reusable cutlery um, thing. It's like a Swiss army knife, but it like flips out a fork and a spoon and a knife. It's super <laughs> legit. And yeah, I, I take that with me everywhere and I use it all the time, but also composting. He he also kind of challenged me with composting because I was thinking about like my waste because I was like, well, I'm saving waste with, with like plastic cutlery, but like where else can I cut back on waste? And so I did get into composting, but it's a little bit inconvenient to like have to like walk outside every time you want to throw away your like peels and stuff to me i'm like no this just extra 10 seconds is hopefully saving the earth a bit and yeah like randy for sure i don't i think if the story wouldn't have happened i don't know that i would have actually done that you know yeah that's that's so cool that's the mark of surrounding ourselves with good people and having good people in our life is they they move us to grow and like push us outside of ourselves you know you've worked on a lot of grotto stories ben is there are there any others that come to mind when you kind of saw a story subject change their mind or grow. One example would be our boss, Javi, told us about this tattoo shop in town. They were doing free cover-up tattoos. What's a cover-up tattoo? It covers up <laughs> so, a tattoo? Basically, yeah. It basically covers up or it will like take elements and blend it into something new. Hmm. But um, this was a free program for for specifically for racist tattoos or of, of any kind of hateful symbols. There would be people who had like swastikas like on their arm wow. and they, they would turn those into like roses. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, really, really cool. So that that story is definitely like moved me a lot. Um, just hearing how like these guys, these like tattoo artists, they would like literally like thousands of hours over the course of like a couple of years that they've been doing this program, thousands of hours yeah. that they've put into for free. Tattoos are expensive, you know, and so this tattoo shop, these guys donating labor and tools and uh, materials, pretty amazing. Yeah, it really is. They really care about like 
like a racing hate. They wanted to make sure that like this was something that this was like a life change. This wasn't just like just a tattoo, just like an appearance change. This was something mm. deeper. Mm. Um, so that was a really big part of the program. So like a lot of these people who, when they came in, they would have like conversations with the shop owners. They would like talk about like where they came from and like their backstory to really make sure that like this tattoo change was something deeper. A tattoo can not only affect people around you and like really terribly received by other people or hurt others, but also like for job employment and, you know, all kinds of things like that that can really affect your life. But there was something deeper there with all these people that I think is really admirable. What I like about both these stories, you know, you see the bike and you think, huh, wonder what that guy's all about. You know, he's got these buckets on the back. Mm -hmm. Same thing if you see like big burly dude with a rose on his arm, you might be like, wonder what that dude's all about. Like, yeah. I think how you present to the world invites people into – it might invite someone into a conversation. I think these two stories show, like, you can pick up in the middle of your life and make a dramatic change. Uh, I think that's awesome. I think we have a, a clip from the tattoo story. Is that right? Sounds great. Let's do it. All right. We have the whole thing here. Let, let's dig in. Roll that tape. Jay Long, roll the tape. <laughs> We see a tattoo artist prepping for inking, bending the needle, wrapping the tattoo gun with rubber bands. We then see what looks to be a tattoo of a rose getting touched up. So this was my first documentary that I was in charge of producing solo. I was a bit nervous already. Then I walk into a tattoo shop for the first time. Fluorescent lights, loud sounds of tattoo needles buzzing in my ears. People lying down motionless. Pictures of abstract, provocative tattoos on the wall. For a first-time visitor like me, this place was a bit intense. Meet David Martin, tattoo artist and owner of Bicycle Tattoo. Quick backstory. It all started in August 2017. The news was saturated with the horrifying attacks of hate in Charlottesville. David and his artists wanted to help erase hate and spread peace they announced online that they would be offering free cover-ups for racist tattoos. Their shop was flooded with requests. We don't have time to go to a picket line. You know, it's just we have families to feed. We're working people. So what we can do is we can cover up racist tattoos because there's racist tattoos out there. We had one person that was underage who her whole family was involved in a group and she was given the tattoo when she was like 13. We've had a lot of guys from, uh, they got them when they were in prison. Um, we've, we've had some that were just honestly, they believed in it at one time. You can just kind of see it on their eyes when, it, when it's done. It's almost like uh, you, you got something that, that's been in your life that you've been carrying around and then all of a sudden you don't have that weight there anymore. We then see a man's arm getting worked on. Blue ink shoots into the man's tattoo sleeve. David's eyes are fixed intently on the tattoo, sporting over-the-ear headphones with music bumping, I assume, occasionally glancing over at a piece of paper with a tattoo design on it. Some of these cover-ups were huge, you know, like thousands of dollars worth of work, and my guys, you know, were doing these cover-ups for free just to make sure that it was done. Some tattoo photos come on screen. They show before and after the cover-up was done. One is of a skull with a swastika over it, which then becomes a skull wearing a helmet. Another is of an eagle with a swastika, this one on a man's neck, which then becomes an eagle with a flag. And finally, a confederate flag, which becomes a clock with flowers. 
So a lot of times, like I know with a lot of the swastikas we've been covering up, we've been doing a lot of roses over those. So you can take some of those swastika lines, you know, and then kind of curve them out and fake it out into the shape of rose petals. No matter how permanent a tattoo may seem, there's always a second chance. With each drop of ink, these artists are turning hate into beauty. When you have something like a symbol of a swastika, it's actually a, a, a way of putting down your neighbor to say that this other person's not human, not worth being treated as a human. At the end of the story, we see a picture of David in full Potawatomi native clothing. David shared off screen that while growing up Potawatomi, he faced oppression, and is yet another reason that motivates him to spread peace in his community. I was raised Potawatomi pretty much my entire life. My, my mother's native and then my dad's white. For me, I can see us all as equal. So we all have a struggle, you know, and, and uh, we should all be joining together so we can keep moving on. Regardless of how the tattoo was received, the people who are coming in for the cover-ups are willing to change something of themselves. They are willing to change themselves to better love the community around them. The question is, are the rest of us too? This episode was hosted by Sarah Toms and me, Ben Cruz. It was produced and edited by Josh Long. Grotto Network is senior producer Javi Zubi Zaretta and senior editor Josh Nome. Liz Collarin is the assignment desk and event program manager. Michaela Douglas, web content strategist. Becky Ottman, graphic designer. Adrian Garalde is our social media manager. Josh Long, producer. Ben Cruz, associate producer. Tara Kelly and Aaron Williams are our treasured video interns. 